This is Tamara Lexo, the Executive Director of Hopeful Hearts Ministry. Hopeful Hearts Ministry is a place where hope is reclaimed. We strive to alleviate the suffering and restore self-worth to survivors of trauma and abuse. We are a faith-based ministry supporting long-term recovery for adults through one-on-one peer support, group sessions, book studies, retreats, and public awareness. Welcome to Hopeful Hearts Podcast. We're glad you're here. Hi, welcome to Hopeful Hearts Podcast. I am Tamara Lexo. I'm the Executive Director of Hopeful Hearts Ministry, and I'm here with my dear friend, founder of Hopeful Hearts Ministry, Shannon Carr. Hi, Shannon. Hi, Tamara. Hi, everybody. As you can see, I'm not necessarily where I always am. I'm at in Colorado uh, in some family cabins. So just so you know, I I don't know how my internet connection is here. So hopefully we can get through this this one today. (laughs) I think we're going to make it through. We're just going to pray and ask God to be over all of the technology so that we can talk about this important topic today. And I want to say before we even get started... You know, um, the things that we talk about on here are generally not for younger ears, but today, definitely, we want to say if you have small ones around, um, it's not going to be appropriate for them. And also, just to give you a little bit of a trigger warning, um, we are going to be talking about some difficult things today, Um, things about, you know, when coming forward with your truth and when it's not believed and that sort of thing. So uh, I'll just give you a minute to to hit pause and get little ones out of the room. But uh, I want to get started here because it's it's a big topic. It's a big topic. Mm-hmm. And Shannon and I've been kind of prepping for this for for a while now. Absolutely. So yeah, I had noticed, uh, well, first and foremost, and I, I, I want to go ahead and start there because I had something happen. Uh, of, I mean, it always, why does it always happen at the draft when I'm at a, a random bar for no reason? <laughs> but um, and I, want you, I haven't seen the movie. You were just telling me you'd seen it. So I actually, yes. everybody, we've always talked about this. I made Tamara stop talking. I was like, don't tell me anymore. I don't want to hear anymore because I want it. I feel like you need to tell it on the, you know. Yeah the podcast, but, um, I will say this, I'll tell you a little story. And then I went to to tell us what this movie was about, but Thursday night I went to mass. I had, uh, two, a niece and a nephew Uh that were confirmed. And then we had our uh, 19 year old with us. It was Russ and I, and we were hungry and this is horrible, but the only place that was open because the mass was two hours. So it was nine o'clock after, before we could, and there was no place open. And, um, so we were like, well, we'll go to the draft. They have, you know, like bar food or whatever. There's a local place here in Kingwood yes. and it's yeah. like a, a bar, <laughs> but they have food. So yeah. Yeah. They have really good food actually. It's not it's just bar food, food, but yeah. yeah. And then we were like, oh, we could play darts. It's something that we like to do. And it was spending time with Simon. Right. So we're there, we're playing darts. We're, you know, eating our, you know, fried pickles and all that good uh-huh. healthy stuff. Delicious and, stuff. uh, these two couples that clearly were on a date came. Oh, she's frozen up a little bit. Um, um, they were talking and you know me, I'm, I'm just horrible. I, I hear, oh, I, 
I think I may have paused because my internet thing told me that, but you did, you paused just a second, but you're good. Okay. I hear this conversation. I butted into people's conversations and I shouldn't, but I heard them talking about like how the drinks were more expensive at the movie theater or something. And I was like, Oh no, Mm -hmm. this place is great. Um, and I just made that comment. This place is great. And then that girl looked at me and she goes, uh, we just came back from seeing a movie and we had dinner there and drinks there. It was so expensive. Um, but you know what? Have you ever seen this movie? She decides to ask me if I've seen the movie. And um, Tamara, what's the name of the movie? It's called um, Sound of Freedom. Sound of Sound Freedom. Of Freedom. Yeah. And this is like the third time I've heard of the movie. I've been told to go see it. I've had texts mm-hmm. from people to go see it. And I know that it's, you know, I'll let Tamara talk about it, but I knew it's something definitely that I wanted to see. Um, and it's a true story based on um, human trafficking in Colombia, mm-hmm. I want to say. Yes, right? it is. Mm-hmm. So she said that they were, before deciding to come over to our table to play darts, that it had affected her so much. And she was like, I just wish I could help in some way. Do you know of a nonprofit or anything that I could help with? Well. I just looked at her. <laughs> I did. I grabbed my purse, took out. I was like, well, since you asked, I am the founder of a nonprofit yeah. in my area. And she was like, what? And she sees the card. She reads that I'm a survivor. She comes ac- around the table and she's like, oh my gosh, I'm a survivor. She starts telling me her story. Um, she's ne- She's only told, she told that group because that movie caused her to share. She says, I'm, right. I'm 30 years old and I've never talked about it. Right. And her, her perpetrator, her, you know, person ended up mm-hmm. as now passed, but she anyway, has all these things she wants to talk mm-hmm. about. And we're supposed to meet when I get back and, you know, of course pointed her to the podcast and all of yeah. that. So you just never know. God sent me to the draft again. I mean, that was where I met the yeah. other girl yeah. in the back. <laughs> That's right. Oh my goodness. Again, that works through anybody at any time in any place, right? Well, isn't that what Jesus did? Yeah. I feel like that's exactly. what Jesus did. <laughs> that's exactly what Jesus did. That's exactly what he did. He didn't stay in the temple. He went out, sat with the that's sinners. Right. <laughs> in the places. Well, I went to see Sound of Freedom this morning. And uh it is a very powerful movie. And I implore you, anyone out there, I, I implore you, I, you have to see this movie. Um Jim Caviezel stars in it. And you know, I liked Jim Caviezel before he was Jesus. Um <laughs> he played Jesus in Passion of the Christ. And I know there was a there was a discussion um, Mel Gibson made uh, Passion of the Christ. And I know he had had a discussion with Jim Caviezel. He said, when you play Jesus, it's the kiss of death to your acting career. Any actor that ever played Jesus never gets another job again, or they're typecast and they can only do, um, you know, certain roles. And Jim Caviezel felt so like the movie was so powerful that he did it. And um, he's not, had a lot of other big movies since then. He's had some, not a lot, but he plays in this movie, Tim Ballard. So it's based on a true story. And Tim Ballard worked for Homeland Security and he worked in bringing down pedophile rings and capturing pedophiles in the United States. And 
and I, you know, I don't want to give away too much, but he ends up um, getting involved in rescuing the children. And um, um, there was a big ring out of Colombia when they were bringing children into Mexico and into the United States. And one of the facts that he says in there, he's trying to get um, a wealthy real estate investor involved in a part of this project that he's doing. And one of the facts that he said in there is something that um, I have learned and read. I've, I've been very passionate about um, sex trafficking uh, in the last few years, just learning a lot about it. I've been trying to learn more about the process. And they say, um, right now there are more people in slavery in the world than in the history of the world. Even when slavery was legal, there are more people enslaved right now than any other time. And the majority of those people are children. That um, slavery has surpassed drug sales in the world. It has surpassed arms sales in the world. So like the sales of guns and weapons, that sort of thing. And the reason is because you can sell an ounce of cocaine or an ounce of heroin to someone, they use it and it's done. But you can sell a child five times a day for 10 years. Mm -mm. And so it is that profitable. That that makes me sick. It it does. It makes me absolutely sick. But one of the heartbreaking things is at the end of this movie, there's a little message on the bottom of the screen and it says um, like two minutes for message. And so we waited to the end of the credits and there is a message from Jim Caviezel on there and he's talking about how he and the other actors are not the heroes of the movie and that Tim Ballard, who the movie's based on, is not even the hero of the movie, but that the children in the movie, there were two children that were kind of the main characters that were being rescued um, they represent the children of the world and those children are the heroes and come to find out this movie was made five years ago and they have had to fight tooth and nail to get it into theaters and you can go online and you can google this movie sound of freedom and you can see all of the conspiracy theories about you know why it's been kept out, but there there are a lot of people in this world that I have discovered lately. There are a lot of people that truly believe that sex trafficking is not an issue. There are people that believe it it doesn't exist in the way this movie or um, organizations like Street Grace that I've, I've been involved with. Street Grace is. Um, is an organization that's working on legislation in the United States to um, stop traffic, human trafficking, so for children and, and adults. Um, but the United States is the number one location of where sex trafficking uh, people are brought. So they're they're taken from all over the world, but also inside the United States. But the United States is the number one um, purchaser, I guess. Yeah. Is the word Place for that. to bring so, them. Yeah. But yet people don't believe that this is really happening. People want to, I think they just want to live in denial. I think 
people want to believe if I don't see it happening around me, then it's mm -hmm. not happening. But I think if, if you watched um, a Netflix documentary about Jeffrey Epstein, 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 yeah, you can see the, the interviews with the young women on there that were teenagers, how they were groomed into being trafficked and how easy mm -hmm. it happens and how it um it sets up where teenagers are are um trafficking other teenagers and people think it doesn't happen in affluent areas but it absolutely does absolutely does and when we say these things aren't happening then that's allowing them to win it's allowing mm -hmm. the traffickers to win it, because it means we're not doing what we need to do about it. But I think even right. that stems back to another problem, which is one that we really wanted to talk about today is just yeah. right. not being able to speak truth. Right. Because you're not I want, believed. I want to be able to share this young man's story. And then I, I want to mm -hmm. go into what made me like reach yeah. out to Tamara and say, I think this is something we should talk about. But there was a young man that came that was led to me for Hopeful Hearts. And um, he is, was from another country and he had been trafficked under his mom's, under, in this home. He, yeah. he was home every day. He went to school every day, but a neighbor was a part of that trafficking ring. She froze again. Hopefully she'll come back here, finish that story with us because um, it is so important. Oh, you yep. froze just a second. So I, I was, I was just, thank you. Away. I'm glad you did because I just stopped talking. I can tell yeah. when I freeze. So I'm like, okay, yeah. I'm just okay, going to stop talking. So um, so under anyway, his mother's nose. under his mother's nose, it was a neighbor that kind of coerced him, said, you know, come do this, whatever offered money mm -hmm. or something he was interested in. Uh, well, not money. I mean, he's like eight. So he offered him something. I don't know. Yeah. He ended up getting, he ended up doing something to him, abusing him and then making right. him feel guilty for even talking about it. And then saying, I'll kill your mother and your sister and whoever else, mm -hmm. if you do, and you have to keep doing this for me. And then that's what brought him into this ring where he would go and he was sold and, and a horrible, I mean, he shared a lot of things that are, you couldn't even fathom. I mean, in fact, I would have, I mean, I would have to go sit. Yeah and pray just to try to get the thoughts out oh, of yeah. my mind of what he went through. And yeah. he would bring other friends because he would have his life threatened if he didn't bring, well, right. we need this kind of person in this. Mm -hmm. And it was just the stories. It was just too unbelievable. Almost. It's just yeah. almost too unbelievable. But this young man, it is. I don't know if he'll ever be the same to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. We thank God that his, his healing is possible. And that is why, you know, organizations like ours, Hopeful Hearts Ministry, that right. we're here to be with people and introduce them to the healing love of God. But on this side of heaven, when we are still living in a world that is so despicably sin rich, mm -hmm. it's just hard to, to get past all of the, the wounds that are there, you know, from things mm -hmm. like that. It's just... It's just, it's despicable. It's so, right. so despicable. Right. 
Well, so on our drive here, we drove 16 hours to get to Colorado. And in the middle of the night, I was having to drive. And I thought, well, mm-hmm. I'll put a movie on and listen to it. I don't watch it. I just yeah. listen to it, like yeah. like the, a book being read to me or mm-hmm. something. And I chose a movie that I hadn't, I it's been on my list and it was on Netflix and it's called Victim. Wait, hold on. Let me get it again. It's called uh, Victim Survivors or Victim. Hold on. I can't get the name. Okay. Oh, you victim just told me what suspect. it was. And I forgot. Oops. Victim suspect. And it's a kind of movie slash documentary kind of thing. Not mm-hmm. really a movie. It's about a um, journalist that found out that, you know, she was seeing all these headlines of these rape survivors mm-hmm. telling about their rape and then being charged with, um, with lying, like, you know, with false, yes whatever i yes. can't think of what the word is and i did see so that they, now that you're saying that i did see that yes right so they're going through all this you know all these different stories and unfortunately one young woman ended up committing suicide and taking her mm-hmm. life because what happens is and i know this from personal experience mm-hmm. you know you go through this rape and you freeze or you don't fight back or whatever right. These great women went to actually, they got, they went to the hospital, they got Mm -hmm. their rape kits done. That was something I didn't do, which is why it never went any further. Um, But they did all of that. They did all the things they were supposed to do. They get uh, brought into the police station and because, Mm -hmm. you know, they can't remember certain things, or maybe they say something Mm -hmm. different than they said in the hospital or whatever, they call it false reporting. Right. And because they don't want to work on it or one, uh-huh. in the one case where the young woman committed suicide, the young man that committed the rape was well known in the community. Uh-huh. Sorry. As y'all can see, this, no, this I, is what fires me up. It fires yeah, me up. Me too. I, it kept me awake for sure. Because I'm, I'm talking to myself. I'm like, Oh, I'm just mad. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, this is why yeah. I just get so angry. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you. Um, I'm absolutely with you on that. And that, um, as we were talking about that, we had discussed another show that I watched again yesterday, uh, knowing that we were going to be talking about this. And it was a a series, like a a docudrama series on Netflix called Unbelievable. And um, it's based on a true story. And and let me tell you, all of these shows that we're talking about, they're hard to watch. Like this isn't like a- They're triggering. Popcorn and- uh, you know, sit back with a glass of wine and popcorn and enjoy, you know, but I think they're important to watch, you know, just the same. I think they're important and, excuse me, the um, unbelievable based on a true story. And it talks about a young woman who had spent her entire life in the foster care system um, in some really rough homes, but had two foster moms towards the end of her before she aged out of the system that were very supportive of her and helped her get into kind of like a halfway house sort of thing for it's an apartment complex where kids who have aged out of the system live and there's counselors that live there and they have to sign contracts about their behavior and such. But someone broke into her apartment, uh, a masked person and raped her. And she did all the right things. You know, it was like four in the morning, this person came in, raped her and she, uh, she called foster mom, She her last foster mom. She called 911. Then she called her best friend. 
and the foster mom came, the police came, the counselors came from the complex. They were all there. They took her story. They took evidence from the apartment. They took her to the hospital to do the rape kit, to do the full exam. She was exhausted as one is after being raped, period. You are emotionally, physically spent. It is a trauma on the body and the mind and the soul. But on top of that, she had had insomnia the night before. So she had only, she hadn't gone to sleep until like two or three in the morning. And so she'd only been asleep, you know, an hour or two when this person breaks in to her apartment. And then she goes through hours and hours and hours of questioning. So one police officer questions her, then the next police officer questions her, and then they bring in the specialist who questions her. And then they take her to the hospital where the nurse questions her. And all these people are doing their job. They're very well-meaning, but they're all writing down and they're all taking notes. And then they come to her and they say, well, now we need, we need a written testimony from you. So she has to write it down. But when they start, well, they all start comparing their notes. They're like, well, in this one, she said she called her friend first. But in this one, she said she called 911 first. And in this one, she said she untied herself before she called. But in this one, she said she called before she untied herself. You know, so they were comparing the little notes and the police started to question her like they were doubting. They're like, well, why did you say this? And why did you say that? And why did, why did you turn it this way? They ended up convincing her that it didn't happen. And so she withdrew her, her claim that she had been raped. But then later on, she's like, no, this did happen. I'm, I'm remembering more and more and this did happen. And so she went back. Well, then the police got angry with her and mm -hmm. threatened to charge her for um, false reporting, mm -hmm. which they ended up doing. And you know, at first her, she had a lawyer that was like, they never do that. They never, like they threaten that, but they never actually take you to court for that. And they did with this girl. They took mm -hmm. her to court. And in the meantime, her rapist traveled to a different state and committed multiple rapes. I forget how many, I mean, it was a lot, a lot. Mm -hmm. And he had the same MO every time. And so it was only by chance that the police officers put it together, even that all of these other rapes were connected because mm -hmm. they were all in different districts or whatever, you know, so they're the reporting system wasn't allowing them to mm -hmm. compare. And so each one of these women is facing their own system of doubts around them. There are people around them that are doubting what's happening. And it's heartbreaking. It's so heartbreaking. One, one guy that they brought in as a suspect even was saying something like, well, you know, it could be false. And you know, that's the problem is with the false reporting, because then good guys like me get in trouble, but then the police aren't able to handle the real cases and they don't take the real cases seriously. Okay. Yeah, that is a problem. You don't want people false reporting because it does make it harder for 
police to believe when there is a real thing. But here's the thing. And one of the cops said this in this and in the, the show, and it got me thinking, or not one of the cop, one of the lawyers in the show, people don't question. If I said someone broke into my house and robbed me, like people don't say, mm, she's probably lying. Or if I, you know, like just about any crime that I report, it's very rare that you would have people in multiples of people saying, she's probably lying. That probably didn't happen. Right. So why is that a common response when people report rape? Yeah, it's so frustrating. Am I it frozen is. again? Oh, okay. No. I'm like, am yeah. I frozen again? No, I'm just, um, I just said a lot of words and I'm. It's, no, no, I'm, well, I'm glad it's because my internet is also oh. not the best right now. But um, no, what, well, it is common. And I will say that I, even though my rape case in college didn't go anywhere. And that was because I didn't go to the hospital. I didn't get the rape. You know, I didn't do all those things. My case, my, I will tell you that my, the police officer I dealt with and the DA I dealt with was fabulous. They, oh. even though, you know, they took it to the grand, it went all the way to the grand jury, which meant that they believed me and that they, you know, and I had four other women at that point then give their um, victim uh, reports. Oh, wow. um, but the problem was, is that at the uh, grand jury, the young man that had done that to me was so well known and so well known within the university. Yeah. He had many professors and people of the uh -huh. community come speak for him. Right. And it, that, that was my downfall on that one. And they just dismissed it. Right. Because I've, I didn't have enough yeah. evidence, I guess, to move forward. Um, but I think what kills me and just, you know, unbelievable series, you know, putting all that together, you know, uh -huh. just this true story of, of there's like three or four different stories uh, that this reporter put together of, you know, these young women that right. get convicted or uh -huh. get put in jail. They're put, put in, jail. in jail, put in jail for false reporting. There's one right. serving time right now uh -huh. yeah. because she was raped and then went uh -huh. through this whole, Right. Um, and then right after that, I needed one more show to watch because it was still time to drive. So um, yeah. I just I just picked a dateline. And I'll be honest, I can't remember what the, yeah. the name of the dateline was. Mm -hmm. But in the dateline, a young woman was was murdered. Mm -hmm. Come to find out that the young man that ended up murdering her had uh, two victims that survived that he mm -hmm. had raped, that he had choked. And they had gone to report it and same thing. Like they didn't believe them. They were going to, they were threatening to charge them for false mm -hmm. reporting. Like, and so they just didn't. And then this young man yeah. went on to go kill, kill, murder to other people right. after right. them. And I think what mm. kills me is that this then prevents young women from wanting to go forward. And, and that's the last thing I want to do here. Like, I mean, we're not talking about this to keep anybody right. from forward my point is is there's more of us that need to be able to stand up and 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 help help victims rights right right i've been young women and of, young men oh absolutely and they did yeah. talk about yeah young men get accused yeah. of false reporting as well absolutely sorry yeah. i focus no, on I, women yeah. but and you know i've been a part of this group called tasa texas alliance against sexual assault 
-hmm. and I'm a on their survivory board. We're all survivors mm -hmm. of various types of assault. And they used my testimony, my testimony and somebody else's testimony in Texas that we created a SART system, a sexual assault response team. So there's mm -hmm. a team that when you report or when you go to the hospital, there's a whole team that you have your advocate, you have, mm -hmm. you know, you have a whole group of people that are there to kind of walk you through. And it can't just be, it's not just you and then that police officer in that room, right? right? right. That, She's frozen, but I'll tell you, there's there, the system is set up now, so it's not just a police officer. You have um, sort of like a counselor that comes in with you. It's an advocate that's there between you and the hospital, and with you and the um, the police force. And she's back on, so go ahead. I am. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so funny. I just sit still when I know what's happening. I'm yeah, like she's gonna start talking. Um, yeah. But anyway, so I, I hope in more states that they would be willing to put these yes. together because that's the point of what that SART system is, sexual assault response team, mm -hmm. is to keep, it's to A, first and foremost, be with that young woman or young man so that, because we know it, I mean, whether your lack of sleep, whether it's, you know, mm -hmm. so traumatic, like your brain's not going to remember everything, especially right. right away. It's just not. It's, it's not. a survival mechanism that really God designed our brains in a way to start shutting down and to, to protect us, to protect everything that's going on. We can shut things out and, and it's a gift to us. God has given so that when we are in traumatic situations, that, that, that trauma doesn't touch every single memory and every single good thing that we have going on in our brain. So we start shutting that down, but then as we start to relax and the chemicals start to release in our brain that show us that, okay, I'm safe now. Those, those doors start going up and we start to remember things. We start to remember more of, of what happened and it all seeps in. And so it's very natural for an entire story to not come out immediately or for it to come back and be a little bit different because just because of the answers that, you know, that someone might've given in that moment when they were so traumatized. I think that another aspect, I mean, I've known these statistics for a long time. Mm -hmm. It's oh, yeah. what I've been doing, but they've never, they've not changed in the time that I've done no. this. It's one in every three. Mm -hmm. And just for women specifically, one mm -hmm. in every three young women will have gone through some type of sexual assault, sexual trauma, yeah. um, in their life. And that hurts me just because, you know, I have two bonus, you know, stepdaughters um, mm -hmm. that are, you know, one's going to be your senior year. She's about to go off to college. Another one's a sophomore. Like, I mean, all the times in which all of it happened to me and, right. um, you know, I know you've got a daughter in college. Yeah, it's scary. I do. It's very, very scary. And that's the, that's the, the thing because it can, knowing what we know, it could cause us to live in fear. And that was one of the things that Jim Fiesel said at the end of this movie. He said, you, you're probably sitting here now after watching this and you're probably sad and you're probably fearful. But when we live in fear, it prevents us from doing something about it. It prevents us from moving forward. And so 
we have to step out of that fear. You know, God does not intend for us to to live in fear. I forget uh, how many times it says in the Bible, do not fear, do not fear, do not fear, do not fear. (laughs) Um, But um, that's not how we are intended to live, to live because we can't, we can't do anything to help the situation. We can't stop this from happening again. If we're just living in fear, we have to move forward in hope. We have to move forward with, with power and hope gives us power. I think absolutely. And, and that's what we all have to hold on to, especially as parents, um, you know, too, but I, I just, I want to have this help encourage you to talk Mm -hmm. to your kids. So maybe even sit and watch, if you have daughters or sons, watch Mm -hmm. some of these things with them. Yeah, definitely. And, um, like I said, there's an, there's an organization, um, they're in, they started in Georgia and they're in Texas now too, but it's called street grace. And I encourage anyone to look that up, especially if you have children or teenagers, because they have a lot of information, um, to help you talk to your children and your teenagers, but, um, you know, about things to look out for ways that predators can come in through video games and through social media apps and, uh, what grooming can look like, you know, how a lot of times groomers will take years, they'll spend years and years on one child, on one teenager, uh, befriending them, uh, just, just to get them in a position where they can be raped or they can be trafficked. Um, but, but this is the thing too, you know, I think what you said is we want you to talk to your children. We want you to talk to your teenagers, to your college kids. We have to talk to each other about it. It's important that um, that we all find our voice. I mean, that's kind of the tagline of Hopeful Hearts Ministries. I have a voice and um, we want survivors to become thrivers. And you do that by finding your voice. These topics are not pleasant to talk about. They're not things that you talk about at the dinner table. You know, you don't go to a cocktail party and say, hey, have you heard about the sex trafficking statistics in this country? You know, but they are things that we have to be talking about because the more we talk about it and make it normal to talk about these things, the easier it is for victims to speak up and get the help that they need, but also to stop the perpetrators of these things Mm -hmm. because if someone gets away with rape, the likelihood of them doing it again is so big. It's so big. Mm-hmm. Once you get away with something, it's easier to do it. It's um, someone went back when I was a teenager. Um, I had a, a youth minister give the example of drawing a sand, a line in the sand, and saying, "Okay, well, I'll only go up to that line in the sand on what I'm going to do." you know, with my sexuality or whatever. Well, if you go right up to that line, it's easier to step over than if you stay way back or you draw your line way back. You know, it's once you cross a line, it's easier to to keep going forward, whether that's, you know, just an innocent daily sin <laughs> or, you know, someone who is a perpetrator, someone who has that kind of evil mentality, they will continue as long as they get away with it. And so it's so important for for all of us to tell our stories and 
to make that a more normal thing. Amen. I agree. Yeah. So, um, I'm sorry. I just, <laughs> we both went, we went blank, but it wasn't the internet. <laughs> no, it wasn't the internet. So, um, we don't work with children through hopeful hearts ministry. We don't, Correct. we only work with, with adults, but a lot of the adults that we work with have had their abuse came from their childhood. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's not the only thing, you know, I think as we talk about sex trafficking and talk about rape and, you know, I think a lot of times people think, oh, well, that, that is a childhood thing, or that's a teenage thing, or, mm -hmm. um, you know, that's something that happens when you're in college, but it's not just that because, um, I actually had a woman that I was working with that in her marriage, she was repeatedly raped. And that's a topic that's really tough for people to swallow and to wrap their head around. It's like, well, if you're married, how is it that? But mm -hmm. rape is when someone is forcing you into a sexual act against your will. Right. Period. 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 And it, yeah. and it it can happen to men. It can happen to women. It can happen to boys. It can happen to girls. But it's it's something that we're not talking about enough. Mm -hmm. Anytime that it's against your will and you don't want it then that is, it's non-consensual period. It's just right. not. And I think, and there should be no guilt behind that. And I don't care if you were drunk. I mean, the young woman that killed herself, who was, who was charged for false reporting because of the young man that was well-known in the community, mm -hmm. she had drank so much. She blacked out, didn't remember yeah. an aspect of going to her apartment. And that's mm -hmm. what the police kept putting onto her was, but you went to your apartment and she's yeah. like, but, even though, and then she had gone to his house and she said, I told mm -hmm. him, no, like I fought him off, but none of that seemed to matter to them. Right. And that's not true. And, and that the other thing that they're starting to do is thankfully, especially with that police department is um, do more educating, you know, yeah. on, you know, this is, this is how it is for survivors. Mm -hmm. This is what happens with our brains. And I went to one in Houston actually, where, and I learned a lot for myself where, but they were, they had, all first responders, um, policemen, mm -hmm. firemen, everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. and they had a renowned, uh, neuroscientist just mm -hmm. go through and explain what the brain can do when you're put into a traumatic situation. Right. Yeah. So, and that was so good. I hope they all listened, but in regards to what you're referring to, even just within a marriage, it, it it doesn't matter if you, if it doesn't matter if you're committed and married to this guy, if, if, if he is going against what is your, what is your will and your, uh -huh. you know, your human body, like uh -huh. he doesn't have a right just because he's married to you. Right. She's married to you. They, neither right. one of them have a right. I've had, right. I've had men come to a support group we did years ago where the wife mm -hmm. was hitting him. Right. Oh. I know I just froze, but the wife was hitting him. Oh, and, um, that's not right. It's oh. not right. 
it's not. So, it's not. And anyway. um, there's so much shame comes around this. I think that's one of the biggest things, you know, beyond just, am I going to be believed or not? There's a lot of shame. There's victim shaming comes in, but self-shame. You know, people think, oh, well, I shouldn't have been there. I shouldn't have been alone with that person. I shouldn't have this. I shouldn't have that. I shouldn't have dressed that way. I shouldn't have drank so much. I shouldn't have. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yes. You shouldn't have done all those things, but none of those things mean that you deserve to be raped. Mm -hmm. Wearing a miniskirt does not mean that you deserve to be raped. Getting drunk on bad tequila does not mean that you deserve to be raped. It means you deserve to throw up really bad, but it doesn't mean that you deserve <laughs> to be raped. You know, yeah. it just, the nothing that you have ever done or could ever do mm-hmm. deserves mm-hmm. sexual assault. Right. Nothing, nothing. Right. Sometimes victims will give in in the moment this is another place where the shaming can come in where they will give in and just be still to allow it to happen like and just just get it over with that doesn't mean you consented that doesn't mean you deserved what you got because you just got still and took it you're still fighting for your life in that moment you're just trying to avoid extra abuse, extra harm. So those are two of the most, two or more, I guess, of the most popular kind of shaming things that would come in and say, well, she didn't say no, or she didn't hit me. She didn't fight back. So that means she wanted it. No, mm-hmm. that's not what that means. Right. Um, you know, well, she was at the bar and she was flirting with me and she took me back to her apartment. So she wanted it. No, that's not what that means. No, hey, she could have wanted it and changed her mind. Right. You still have a right to change right. your mind. Like, right. yes, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You, it doesn't matter. You, if this is something that has happened to you, if you're listening to this and you're going, yeah, I, I have been sexually assaulted and I have never told a single soul. That secret holds power in your life. And we want to help you be unburdened of that secret. Mm. That is what we are here for a hopeful hearts ministry one of the biggest things that we do that we spend more time on than anything else i think is just the one-on-one peer-to-peer support shannon and i listen and listen and listen and listen and i promise you there is no judgment from us that is what we do we listen and there's no judgment because we have been there both of us have experienced sexual assault in different ways, on different levels. We are never, ever going to judge you for how you dressed, what you did, what you allowed, what you were doing before, what you did after. We are here to listen to you. 
And we are here to say, look at that. You have a voice. You have a voice. And your story is worthy of being told. Shame hides in the darkness. And so we want to bring your story to light. We want you to be able to speak about that. And the more you speak about it, the more freedom you experience. Uh, at the end of this movie today, when they, there was a, a kind of a rescue situation and there was 52 children that had just been rescued and they were playing. They were singing and doing, you know, hand motions together and clapping with each other. And uh, one of the guys came up and he says, that's the sound of freedom. Mm. And it was just, you know, my whole body was like, chill, 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 chill. Goosebumps <laughs> all over. But let me tell you, this sound of freedom for you is when you can speak your story mm. out loud. When that secret doesn't have power over you anymore. And that's what we want for your life. We want you to know what the sound of freedom is. We want you to hear that in your own mind and your own heart. We are here for you. You can reach out to us, hopefulheartsministry.org. You can find Shannon and I there. We've got um, lots of other podcasts out there on Spotify and Apple. You Wherever you listen to uh, your podcasts, listen to some of our other episodes out there. Give us a like, give us a share, share it with somebody that needs to find their voice, someone that needs to know about what our ministry is doing. Now we got lots of good things coming up in the next few months for Hopeful Hearts Ministry. Uh, we have a retreat coming this fall. There's more information on our website. Again, that's hopefulheartsministry.org. Thank you for listening and watching, being here with us today. Shannon, thanks for Hanging in there in your Colorado yeah. <laughs> Wi-Fi. I appreciate you. Yeah, hopefully it all came out okay. But thank you guys I'm so sure much. It for will. It's just how we are. <laughs> Wi-Fi bumps and all. So That's thanks right. for listening, everybody. Bye-bye. All right. Take care. This is Tamara Lexo, the Executive Director of Hopeful Hearts Ministry. We want to thank you for listening to Hopeful Hearts Podcast. If you have any questions or would like to find out how you can support or receive help from Hopeful Hearts Ministry, look for us at hopefulheartsministry.org.